This is an audio recording of the Lendit Fintech Weekly News Show. The show is streamed live on Lendit TV, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Twitter at 5 p.m. Eastern Time every Thursday. In this fast-paced show, the Lendit News team and a special guest discuss the most important fintech news stories of the past week. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Lended Fintech's weekly news roundup. My name is Peter Renton, chairman and co-founder of Lended Fintech, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend and colleague, Todd Anderson. How are you doing, Todd? I'm swell, Peter. How are you? <laughs> swell as well. <laughs> and we're also joined for the first time by uh, our editor, John White. How are you doing, John? Very well. I'm just adjusting to the professional microphone, so uh, yes, that's yes, very exciting. Yes. It is indeed. So why don't you just give the listeners just the 30-second background about yourself before we kick it off? Sure. I've been in editorial, in news, in some fashion for going on 28 years now. And I would say the last nine have been in fintech. I was the editor of Bankless Times for about eight years and focused initially focused on the post-2008 crash situation with alternate finance models like crowdfunding and peer-to-peer lending. And it just kind of has morphed over time into all the various things like crypto and blockchain. So um, came over from Bankless Times and thrilled to be here. All right. And we're thrilled to have you. So let's kick it off. A lot of news to get through. I'm going to start, I'm going to call this week Jack Dorsey week because it feels like he's been in the news every single day. We started off on Monday morning finding out that maybe he's going to leave Twitter and then he did actually announce that later that day. And then uh, on, um, well, I think it was Wednesday, was it the well, Wednesday? I think it was that we found out that uh, Square is going to be renamed to Block because, you know, now Jack Dorsey only has one company to run and uh, he's got a lot of extra time on his hands. So, and we know he's a big uh, crypto fan, but um, looks like uh, big, uh, not enough big changes, but certainly there's, uh, you know, Square is going to have 100% of Jack Dorsey's attention, it looks like, and it's going to be making some changes. Well, it's obviously, you know, he's going in the direction of blockchain based um, products. Um, you know, I think. What was it? One of their recent earnings, I think it's somewhere in 2020. It accounts for a large majority of uh, their profit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and that was just Bitcoin trading um, during the pandemic or, you know, some latter half of 2020. But I mean, it's a, a natural move for what he's uh, described uh, in terms of blockchain and Bitcoin uh, and the potential that not only the uh, crypto has but the underlying technology um, i'd be curious what you know other potential products start coming out now that he's only and solely focused on um on square or block and um so it's it's you know it's an interesting move i don't think you will see anything drastically change in in the coming months but in the next couple of years it'd be curious to to see what happens how deep do you think He's going to go in, you know, you see the the new name Spiral, which Mm -hmm. has interesting connotations in and of itself. Um, So you're saying a couple of years, you think you'll see some some more action beyond just pushing more product 
I think I think it'll be. I mean, it's gonna be quicker than that. I mean, Jack, if you follow Jack's Twitter Twitter stream, uh, which you know, I don't. I mean, I don't read every tweet he does, but he's just he's a Bitcoin fanboy. He just thinks it's it's uh, it's the best uh, it's the best technology. I think you know, and it says here, like you know, it says in the articles that we read this week that uh, you know, Square Crypto, which is a separate part of the company, is is which is focused on Bitcoin. And not just like it's really fit Bitcoin. It's not not Ethereum. Uh, it's yeah. not Ripple. It's Bitcoin. Um, and uh, that's that's what it's changing its name to Spiral. So I think it's really Bitcoin is going to become very integral in uh, in Square's future. I have a sense. Yeah, I mean, well, the natural next step would probably be accepting Bitcoin as a a payment. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, you know, on the Square. You know, I don't know, but in the Square ecosystem, I'll say, because I don't know how many people, you know, the dongle versus the the reader and stuff like that. But um, I I can see that in in probably the the shortest amount of time in terms of some of the stuff that they're probably working on. Do you see Square pushing into the super app space? Well, it's a good I question. Think, I think, I'll let you I know think, when someone becomes a super app. Yeah. <laughs> well, I feel like I mean, I think Cash App is sort of that's that's um probably i mean some would argue it's 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 already got some of the elements of a super app i don't know if it's fully it's fully there yet but they're doing it's it's going to be doing a lot more a lot more there and i and just to the previous point i think i'll be shocked if square doesn't accept bitcoin as payment before the end of next year i think yeah, that, yeah uh, that's it's really going to be um going to become part i mean they're going to i mean I, they're going to have their own wallet they're going to have you know, i'm sure they're going to offer merchants the ability to uh to just basically exchange bitcoin to bitcoin it'd be, it'd be do you think his his potential biggest impact could be can he get the right group of people or companies together to make a real regulatory push in terms of clarity like this does he have the cachet to say hey guys like we we need to to coalesce, we need to come together and we need to push the regulators to actually like, hey, here, here's the lines, here's the borders. This is what you're allowed and not allowed to do. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's, I, mean, I, I good... don't think he does. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm bringing it up as a, you know, kind of just a, a like if, if, existential if question, could, but if he could get the other leaders, like, you know, um, the, you know, the other, the other, like Coinbase, Robinhood, all the, all the big, you know, FTX, all the big plays. If you can bring them all together and have a unified front, maybe. But you know, I know there's that there is a, a hearing next week, um, which we'll be paying close attention to, where the the House Financial Services Committee has invited the CEOs of many of uh, the leading uh, crypto companies together. So we'll see. I'm what sure you'll get a lot of great questions out of yeah. that here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yes. Okay. So we could talk about Square for the whole hour, but we're not whole half hour. We're not going to. We're going to move on to my favorite topic: overdraft fees. We have. Um, Has this capital- been a record? How long we've there's been a gap between no. the last time we talked about overdraft? It's been distressing. I think it's been like six weeks since we Jeez. last chatted about overdraft fees. It's. Uh, <laughs> Do you have a Google News me. alert for overdraft? <laughs> I actually don't have a news alert for oh. it. I should, but um, anyway, Capital One. Uh, came out uh, this week saying that they are going to eliminate all overdraft fees, $150 million of annual revenue gone. And this is the biggest bank so far to, to really 
eliminate it outright. And, you know, others like PNC have said, we're going, you know, we're giving people 24 hours notice. We're going to, we're going to reduce, we're reducing the amount of times that people overdraw, overdraw their accounts. But <coughs> this, this is going cold Turkey and uh, they're still going to have overdraft protection um, for most, you've got to have your direct, you got to have your direct deposit going in there, which I think that's, that's true for most companies, but they're going to have, they're going to have, uh, you know, similar to what Chime, Chime and, and many others uh, have. Dave, I think, um, Dave was the pioneer of this whole product um, really and changed and changed a lot. And I've actually got Dave, the CEO of Dave on my podcast tomorrow. But um, anyway, I think this is really good news. What do you guys think? It's a uh, one step closer. So they're a top 11 bank. They're right outside the, the, the top 10 by assets, uh, according to, I think, September's uh, Federal Reserve data. Um, and so it's it's getting closer. Um, you know, the, the real catalyst, if you want the entire, most of the industry to change in a, in a huge way, it's obviously J.P. Morgan. Yeah. Uh, but when J.P. Morgan sees a Capital One size bank who's got almost 400 billion in assets say we're willing to forego 150 million a year then um you know the conversation just keeps pushing in that direction and i think the the article that we link to uh in the show notes um is the cnbc one which has the clip when jamie diamond and elizabeth warren were arguing about this topic back in uh may so I mean, it's to me at this stage, it's inevitable um, that it becomes um, outlawed to a point where you know it's it's not going to be um, you know thirty five or twenty five per per item. Do we think this was a response to Chime's model or just competitiveness in in general? Yeah, I, I think it's a response. I, I, I really do. I think and, it's, and and Dave started this all, so it was. Um, Dave was the first. Chime copied pretty quickly. Several others have have you know. I mean, Varro's got their own version of it. There's many of them. Interesting. Interestingly, SoFi does not. I don't believe. But uh, they they um. I, I think it's competitive Peter, pressures that, from the fintechs. What was the podcast? That you, it was an Aaron Klein. Your podcast. Yeah. If you want a primer on um the um the reliance of in particular small banks how much they rely on fee revenue listen to peter's uh podcast with aaron klein for a, a shameful uh plug here uh, because <laughs> it's not shameful at all it's no. <laughs> it but the the big thing is it's 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 opposite the small banks are the ones that really rely on it to make profit the big banks you know there's a reason why capital one can say i'll forego 150 million a year because chances are they can make it up elsewhere. Right. But does the national, I think, you know, Bank of Omaha, you know, Nebraska in Lincoln, uh, you know, I'm making that bank up, obviously. But does that small bank, is it able to make up for when they make the switch? And so you're still going to see a large majority of the small banks who actually gouge the customers more still keep it, I think, for a little while longer banking on the fact that their little small communities are not as in tune with a big branch chase, uh, capital one type of customer. Yeah. Eventually it what... gets to them, but I think they will be the, the holdouts just cause they rely so right. much on the revenue. 
yeah and they're not and this is always my my goal here or, what, or my hope i should say was that it would be overdraft fees would be removed through competitive pressures rather than legislation and i think it's not going to be legislated now i don't think um but i don't know do you think they need to legislate out the smaller banks i don't know i think the, i think the competitive pressures are eventually if, if you know when chase and bank of america and wells and city all come out and do this it's going to put a lot of pressure on these small banks that um that are relying on this i mean overdraft fees they're, they're probably going to be around in a decade probably even two decades but um they will be like they won't be 20 billion dollars a year or whatever the number is uh I think it was be, 35 billion yeah they'll be a billion dollars a year something like that so anyway um, we're, we're running behind here because there's just <laughs> so many interesting things to talk about with when it comes to overdraft fees and of course jack dorsey but i want to talk about new york community bank now i'll be honest i actually didn't know much about this bank at all and they're really their name is New York Community Bank, but they're barely a community bank. I mean, they're based in the financial capital of the world, and they have fifty-seven billion dollars in assets. So uh, that's that's pretty pretty decent size. But they have partnered with Figure. A good friend, Mike Cagney, is um, uh, partnering with Figure, and they are now minting stable coins. And I actually didn't know if this was this was um, legal, but it, it, it they, they've certainly. It's all out there in the in the open, um, but they are they have a, a, a joint venture with uh, with Figure. It's all going happening on the Providence blockchain, obviously, which is uh, the figure the figures blockchain. Um, and uh, do we know if they hold it on their balance sheet? The, yeah, I don't think they probably don't. That's, that, probably that's why it's probably. The, yeah, I don't think that's legal yet to hold the stable coins on your balance sheet. But uh, I mean, I think the 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 quote that um, the NYCB. Um, uh, I forget his his title, but um, if NYCB and other banks don't lean into that and become part of it, they're going to be excluded from it and potentially become a dinosaur in terms of leaning into to new tech and, and blockchain. Yeah. Now, not every bank's obviously going to go this route of blockchain and minting stablecoins, <clears throat> but just a larger point: they need to lean into technology. Going back to our previous topic of the. Um, you know, making up for shortfalls in revenue. These banks need to do something else or you're going to see enormous amounts of pressure on M&A in, in the banking sector that we probably haven't seen in like a half a century. Right. I saw an article today that was interesting. It talked about one of the opportunities for smaller banks is to be the the help desk for people to get into fintech through their bank. So they could then become the information broker as much as they are um, a commodity broker. Right. That, that was fascinating. But yeah. It surprises me. There's only like a cabal of like 15 quote unquote fintech banks. There should be like 150 or 200 at this stage. Well, we're getting there. I think yeah, uh, slowly we're getting there. It's it's. And the, the thing is that as we're, it's all converging because I mean, now even our, even our little community bank in Denver, which um, we, you know, it's a small bank. It's um, it, it's its app is adequate. It's totally fine for most purposes. Um, you know, we can deposit checks. We can put quite quite large checks now into you know on just on a mobile phone. So really, um, I feel like the technology from regular banks is becoming better and better and better. Again, driven by the changes in the fintech has made. 
So, but the thing that's interesting about this is like what they said, Mike Cagney is working with the, the, the New York Community Bank and a consortium of other banks. And what's that, what that's going to mean is when someone is trying to send money between um, these other, con any, any of these other member of the consortium, it's going to be instant settlement. So you'll be able to literally be on your screen, send money to, uh, you know, pay somebody who's a customer of another bank. They'll be able to see it on their screen you know, like within within seconds, most likely, and uh, it's like that, a, a smaller version of the the Chase one, right? The IIN, the Inter something network. The Chase has like a hundred plus banks on right. it, and they can. I think it's uh, you know, near real time settlement. Yep, based yep. on a uh, blockchain. Yep, yep. So this is this is uh, you know, this is I think we get we, we, like it's funny because you've got Fed now coming in the background, which is you know the instant instant payment for everybody. The time Fed now gets here, blockchain yeah. is going to zip right past it. Exactly, exactly. Anyway, let's move on. We've. I want to talk about Facebook. It's not really about Facebook. Meta, I should say. Um, <laughs> David David Marcus, um, who has been leading their their crypto efforts from day one, uh, announced he's leaving the company, um, and he. You know, it, it doesn't say why or where he's going. He's just, um, you know, he he. Uh, you know, he he basically said that um, it's time for time for something new. And you know, I always think like it's funny because Facebook announced this thing. The whole the whole thing's been a bit of a cluster. It's gone from Libra to Diem to Novi. Um, regulators hate it, um, and um, they've lost. They even lost some of their original partners. They've got cold feet, and now like the Novi digital wallet is supposedly in beta and there are people using it. Uh, but um, it's just, there's been lots of false starts. I don't, not a surprise. I don't think, but uh, I'd say it's a big blow to, to Facebook. I think it's a <clears throat> significant blow to Facebook. I mean, I think he's, he's clearly, if you read his quotes coming out of it is something along the lines of um, the entrepreneurial, like itch. I, I, there's only so long as I, I can't, go ahead and, and uh, start my own venture. So it sounds like he's got something in the works, but I mean, you said it, Peter, they bungled it from the start. It's like, they never thought to talk to regulators before launching this. They launched it with this great consortium of companies, like a third of them after which dropped out within like the first few weeks when regulators are like, you know, what the hell is this? Uh, and then from there, it's just been, all right, we're going to incorporate in Switzerland. Nope. We're not going to do that. We're yeah, going to we come name back it to the Libra. US. <laughs> nope, we're not going to do that. It's like, and I, I don't think it's uh, an indictment on on David Marcus. I, I think it's more an indictment on on the overall thinking from the Facebook hierarchy. Like, yeah, I think it's Zuckerberg, know, we could just Zuckerberg's launch this. to blame. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So my question is, how long till he starts his own company? And I would imagine Facebook's non compete would be rather extensive. Yeah, I think um, it sounds like he. I mean, you could. There's a lot. Crypto is a pretty broad space, so as long as he doesn't do that, I mean, who knows? Um, but I don't think he would have quit. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing he's already started his company. In at least, yeah, I mean, at, at least, um, you know, uh, he might not have. He might not have officially yeah. incorporated anything. But I, I'm guessing on napkins so far. Exactly, but um, 
yeah, I, I like, yeah, I think uh, it may not be, I don't think it's going to be, you know, cross border payments or anything speci- just exactly the same or even a, a digital wallet necessarily. But you just go out to some of the DeFi projects that are happening that are, you know, it, it's, it's a broad, it's a, there's a broad scope for him to do some interesting things. And he can, you know, he'll be able to start a company, raise as much money as he wants and go off to the races. He'll be able to hire people. I think he's, he, people don't blame him for any of the bad things that have happened. Yeah, he's um, got a very, very strong, uh, from what I can tell, at least obviously from an outsider, a uh, very strong reputation. And yeah, I would gather before the end of next year, he'll probably have raised one or two rounds of capital yeah. uh, in the and I'll have a unicorn on his hands. <laughs> yeah, 20, 30, 40, 50 million, somewhere in that range, between yeah. like 20 and 50 million. Yeah. Or maybe JP Morgan picks him up. Yeah, well, uh, that would be unlikely. It's <laughs> I mean, you can like, uh, dare to dream. Dare if you, dream. if you, you know, if you pay a guy enough money and give him enough stock. Maybe Remember, maybe. JP got uh, rid of uh, what's her name? It was the, the woman that um, started uh, a lot of the. Uh, digital oh, asset yeah. and crypto. Yeah, I forget her name. She's very, very popular in the uh, the crypto space. She was kind of a a, a favorite of uh, a lot of people, especially because she had you know she kind of got her um, su- initial success, I think, in the banking space, which was like, whoa, what's going on here? And then right. you know she left to start her own thing. Anyway, let's move on. I want to talk about uh, an article on SoFi in the information this week. I, I put this out there because I, I learned a lot from this article. I was I was surprised uh, by a few things. Firstly, you know the net, the four hundred million dollar price tag on SoFi Stadium is what we've all you know, well, that was what was shared initially, and now we, like it's it's apparently six hundred and twenty five million, not four hundred million over two decades. Um, and so that's that was news to me. And then I didn't realize there was internal internal conflicts inside SoFi about what they are going to deem as a member. And it's basically anyone who's using anything in SoFi who's, you know, even if it's a free service. Um, so that uh, they've got now 2.9 million members, um, which you know, is in a broad definition um, of, of that. And I think um, so so far, I have um, and they, they, they rehashed a lot of the old stuff, which we all knew. But I feel like the um, you know Anthony Noto is leading the charge, and a lot of it is a biography about Anthony Noto. You learn about his, you know, his uh, army days and um, his football days when he was playing for Army as a linebacker, and um, you know it, it really it, it's worth a read. I recommend uh, for anybody who wants to delve a bit deeper into so far. What is the second product he's speaking of? Well, what they the whole thing about um, I've listened to his earnings calls and he talks about we want people to have multiple SoFi products. So whatever the product is, whether it's it could be a student loan, could be SoFi money, oh I got SoFi it. invest, whatever they have, they want them to have a second product, and that's they have they keep that's a, that's a, a metric that they actually share, and so yeah, it, it, the second product is a big. So that's what he's saying is like, even if they've got a free product, like the credit monitoring service that they offer, uh, as long as they, if they can do a second product, that, that, that then becomes, you know, once they've got a second product, they're more wedded to SoFi. Right. And they become more attached to the brand and more loyal. Well, I have, I have two SoFi products and I wouldn't say I'm attached to the brand. (laughs) 
but it's uh, just a you know the whole who's a member and it's, it's like this game that <clears throat> companies have always played you know a monthly active user if you log in once for you know 18 seconds uh in september then you're a monthly active user till december or something it's like yeah it's, uh, uh, sometimes it just seems silly i mean that's why i mean what they <clears throat> yeah I, I mean at least with um yeah that's what like you hear some of the some of the digital banks it's measuring downloads how many people have downloaded the app well you can download the app and never use it but you're not really yeah. a user but, uh, I, anyway. the the decision to to invest in the sofi name on the stadium was without a doubt just a genius move yeah no it's it's like it's it's even with the extra, extra money i i was skeptical to start but now we've had you know uh one and a half football seasons with that uh stadium and they've had some big concerts there the super bowl uh, is there super bowl is there i mean it's that's just, it yeah, yeah you you paid for it right there with the super bowl being there you yeah, can hear lo- it a thousand times in the month of january yep and okay. the fact that it's two teams playing there was yeah. brilliant Yes. Anyway, um, I want to move on to fundraising. Just talk about a couple of fundraising rounds. Um, Thought Machine, uh, um, we've had them um, at our event in the UK a few times, and they're a UK company, but really f- expanding globally and really here in the US pretty seriously. They they famously um, have nabbed JP Morgan as a client, and then JP Morgan are now investing. Interestingly, interestingly, it's got this this two hundred million dollars Series C, which make, makes them a unicorn was um, you know, led by Nike Partners, pretty pretty uh, famous uh, VC. But then Standard Chartered, ING, JP Morgan Chase all participated in the round. And so they really, I mean, this is a company that is making serious headway at some of the biggest banks in the world. They have a pretty bold objective to eradicate legacy technology from the industry. Yeah, I think it's bold. And I, I, think, it's, I think it's doable. I think, I mean, it's not, it's not going to be done probably this decade, but, uh, you know, that's eventually they've got to, every bank has just got to get rid of the old code. Yeah. 50 there won't be any code more programmers left. <laughs> Fortran. It'll, <laughs> it'll be, uh, it'll, they'll rid it of, uh, in banking. And I'd probably say 30 years, 30 years. Yeah. My goodness. Remember, I learned you, COBOL well, a lot in my of this... undergrad in the eighties and they didn't, they stopped teaching COBOL, um, soon after I graduated. And this was so people my age and older. Um, I know friends of mine who are still doing COBOL programming back in Australia and earning a boatload because there's so few of us. But you got to think, you know, they've the the banks have then built on top of this. Yep. So yeah, it's, it's, all, it's, it's all Frankenstein code. It, yeah. They've made the spaghetti so much worse that you know to get themselves out of that. It's it's not going to be easy. No, but I think yeah, you know, Thought Machine seems like they've got a really good solution that banks like, and so I think you know we'll we'll see. I think I think your thirty years might be a bit too um, pessimistic, Todd, but uh, we'll we'll see. The first one to crack the code is going to be the standard. Yep, yep. So next next uh, fundraise um, from Funbox, also a new unicorn here. Congratulations to our friends at Funbox. Um, really, really um, like those guys, um, and they have a hundred million dollar Series D now, a one point one billion dollar valuation. Um, some uh, so led by uh, some north of the border investor, the Healthcare of Ontario Go Canada Pension Plan. I mean, it's uh, 
really uh i've never heard of this investor before <laughs> obviously they've got a big it's group. one of the big ones and the, the toronto teachers pension plan is another big one okay well they've uh they obviously have a venture capital arm now and oh, yeah. they're uh, and they've invested in um in fundbox and uh you know they've like i think you know what what are like fundbox is still you know they they're not um a big company they got 300 people and they're growing and they've and they now they've crossed 100 crossed 100 million dollar annual run rate in revenue but uh doing i really think they got interesting products and uh um they're 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 a company to watch and they are sponsoring a track at USA 22 Oh, just yes. for a shameless plug, which is coming up May 25th, 26th in New York City. <laughs> Indeed. Okay. Last item on our on our roundup this week, New Bank. New Bank, the famous uh, Brazilian digital bank, the largest digital bank on the planet by a considerable margin when it comes to number of real customers. Um, and uh, they are... Um, that seems like a shot. <laughs> well, these are piece of people that actually have their account, have an account. Who is that more shot at? Uh, I don't know. SoFi or China? <laughs> yeah. No comment. Uh, I'm not, no comment on that whatsoever. Um, <laughs> but the one they, there was news this week that they're, they're um, going out with a slightly lower valuation. Where people were talking 50, 55 billion, and now it's looking like 42. You know, it's still a fantastic valuation. Still terrible them- news. That company is to- totally screwed. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and they they said that it was due to you know current conditions in the market, and we we have seen a bit of a tech pullback um, the last few days. So, in re- regardless, if they can successfully pull off a forty two billion dollar valuation, it will be the largest fintech IPO in history, and uh, and they are they're going public. On supposedly on December eighth is uh, is what the date they have given us and fingers um, crossed. Yep, yep. We will see about that. Good, good timing for us. It will be because um, December seventh and eighth we are focused on LATAM one hundred percent. We are in Miami for our LATAM event. We tried to get someone from New Bank to come speak, but clearly it wouldn't have worked out anyway. They're, and they're maybe that's busy. what they knew that uh, too distracted. They're a bit uh, busy with their IPO thing. That just one last thing before I get your comments is that. $716 million in revenue in the first six months of the year. That's way more than any U.S. fintech, I would argue, maybe with the exception of like a Square or a PayPal or something like that, but really impressive numbers. And they don't really spend money. Well, they might spend some on marketing now, but their whole shtick was not to spend money on marketing, right? Because yep. their customer, So their customer acquisition cost was... Five dollars, five five dollars compared to other fintechs through the floor. Some some fintechs are happy with five hundred dollars. Yeah, especially in the lending space. Yeah, that's incredible. They are they are an incredible company. New bank. By the way, Amber Balday. Amber Balday. Ah, right. Yes. Call back to earlier. Okay. JP Morgan. So is is the new bank? Is their experience with that kind of revenue in Brazil? scalable to other areas or is that lightning in a bottle well i think it's certainly scalable to other areas in latin america they're already in mexico they're going into colombia um i think they there's a big lot of latin american economies while very different uh, are very poorly served by uh on the oligopoly the oligopolies that are the the large banks usually most of these countries have three or four large banks they're terrible. They're very profitable, but serve their customers poorly, and so New Bank, I think, is going to be. I mean, they are going to be expanding throughout the region. I would expect in many, in many ways, they are five, six, 
even 10 times more profitable than their U.S. counterparts. So the yeah. the banking business as it currently stands is something that they are not looking to change, which is also plays into the hands of New Bank and other fintechs that they're well positioned to acquire these customers, especially in LATAM where a lot of people are not in the system yet. Yep. Yeah, and they and they're going to raise looks like somewhere around two billion dollars from this IPO, so they're going to have a pretty big war chest. Uh, uh, too shabby. Anyway, we are out of time. Um, thank you, everyone, for for watching or listening. Um, thank you, Todd. Thank you, John. We'll be back next week. We'll be actually bringing this to you. Uh, I'll still be in Miami because it'll be the day after our Latin American event. I don't know if Todd. Todd, you might be back in. New York. I will be where you see me today at my home so. office. Anyway, we'll have all we'll have some more LATAM news uh, next week, I expect. Yes, very much a LATAM focused news show. Okay, thanks for wrap. Thanks everybody. Adios. Bye. Bye.